And welcome back, everybody, to the Vancouver Boys Podcast. We are here in beautiful Pitt Meadows, BC. The two of us are, anyway. Uh, I'm Marcus. I'm joined with Jake, who is in a vegetative state. Hey, and what's we going are, on? And we are joined remotely by Tyler, who is somewhere else. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. We're pretty good, Tyler. Uh, gotta ask you, a uh, question's been burning on my mind all day. How's the weather where you are? <laughs> Uh, weather is nice. I'm in uh, beautiful Terrace, BC. Um, honestly, it's actually a lot nicer here than I thought. It's kind of right in the mountains, and it's sunny as can be. Nice. Never been to Terrace, but I will definitely consider it with such a glowing review. The only thing I know about <laughs> Terrace is like, I remember there was this story about Terrace where the road into Terrace flooded, and the only way to get there was by like propeller plane or boat. <laughs> Sounds about right. There, so there to all our road. <laughs> yeah, so to all our people from Terrace that are listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're sorry, and please don't go away. We promise we're done slamming your small town. <laughs> um, let's jump into our fake sponsor of the week. Let's do it. Uh, so for everyone who doesn't know, uh, we do a fake sponsor every week. This is simply a placeholder until we get a real sponsor because that is something we think will happen. Um. Today's episode of the Vancouver Boys Podcast is brought to you by the Aquilini family. The Aquilinis, fueling dumpster fires such as the Vancouver Canucks and this podcast since 2004. Oh, man. You know, you're just going through all the people in Vancouver, (laughs) shitting on each one of them. (laughs) And you know, well, this provides two opportunities. One, I would like to promise to any potential sponsors, we will not slander you. And two, think of this... uh, former fake sponsors as a chance to get us to stop slandering you by paying us you know kind of like ransom or something <laughs> i don't i don't think the aquilinis are ever sponsoring us they're a little too cheap for that agreed, agreed agreed yeah they couldn't afford us anyway <laughs> yeah. we're not a cheap date no for any potential sponsors or just some listeners looking to say hi to us and uh, get in contact the two best ways to reach us are on Instagram at Vancouver Boys Podcast or by email at VancouverBoysHockey at gmail.com. Uh, bit of a rough transition. Canuck season is officially over. Yes. And, you know, an a all-too-familiar feeling with us Canucks fans is just feeling a little bit of everything. A little bit of happy, because it's over. <laughs> a little bit of sadness, because it's already over. And uh, we're all sitting here saying the same thing. There's always next year. Seems to be the sentiment every year, though, hey? Yep, it's become a little bit too familiar. Um, looking forward, though, to uh, going to the Aquilini out protest on Saturday. Yeah, what's that about? Long story short is some of the Canucks fans who have been sleeping for the past 8, 9, 10 years <laughs> have woken up. And realize that the problem isn't with management, it is those who employ our management. Uh, we will get to that a little further down the way. Um, for now, let's focus on something slightly less depressing than uh, Canucks and their feelings and such. Let's give you guys a bit of a playoff update and an update on how our brackets are doing. Spoiler alert, we're very bad at these. <laughs> Uh, let's start with Jake, who picked Nashville to move on. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Our... I still have confidence that they're going to make a series out of it. I mean, the last game was one nothing until a minute left. I mean, it just sucks that like their all-stars on that team just aren't playing well at all. Johansson can't score. Duchesne can't score. Um, Roman Yossi's kind of dried up. It's just it's unfortunate that they can't get any freaking goals. But I don't know. I still have confidence in the team. UC Soros is still playing amazing. Um, I'm not totally down and out about it. Yeah, they're down 2 nothing in the series as of this recording, but um, I think they can still come back from this. That's a good hot take. That's why the listeners are here. Uh, Tyler, how's your bracket going? Oh, God. <laughs> well, Florida sucks, and Barkov's hurt, so I might be in trouble there, considering I picked them to win the Cup. 
<laughs> all, all in all, other than that, I think things are looking pretty good. Other than Washington continuously losing in overtime. Yeah, that's been a great series, though. Yeah, right? it's been phenomenal. Yeah, but all okay, in all, well, that's good to hear. So, that, so that other up. than okay, so that that's good to hear though. That other than your Stanley Cup champions getting eliminated <laughs> in the first round, your bracket's doing okay. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, for maybe the first time in NHL history, someone, being me, is benefiting from making just about all the safe picks I could have possibly made. Toronto-Montreal is going on right now, so we won't have an update on that for a while. one um, nothing montreal Hey. There's an update. <laughs> if, if I've ever wanted to be wrong, it is about that series. Yeah. I pray that I'm wrong about that series. The one that kind of scared me the other night was Edmonton-Winnipeg. Anyone kind of shocked by that? Winnipeg just looked like they just walked over Edmonton. Uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, while they tried, they had some good efforts. They were completely held off the score sheet. Um, And they they have to drive that team if they're going to make it anywhere in these playoffs. Yeah, like I said a few weeks ago on the podcast, Edmonton's game plan is put Dreisaitl and McDavid out to try and score. And then after they do, just lock it down for the rest of the game. That's their game plan. And if they don't score the first goal or they get down by a couple, they're a bad team. They don't have the systems that they need to defend well. They're just they're not a good team. They're a, they're a bad team with two players that can score on a pretty frequent basis, and that's how they win games. I'm not surprised at all that they're behind in that series. And granted, it is early, but I'm not surprised. What do you guys think has been the the most exciting series? And I'll I'll narrow it down for everyone here. I think it's between two. I think it's between Washington, Boston, and Tampa, Florida. Unless someone has a one maybe I haven't been paying as close attention to that's been phenomenal. Uh, which one of those two do you guys think is a better series to watch from an entertainment standpoint? Personally, I'm kind of going with the the Tampa, Florida. It's been a little more, a little more offensive, I guess is the word I'm going to use. And those teams, like, they just genuinely hate, hate each other. Although the uh, the Capitals Bruins has been super physical and it's been going overtime every game, mm-hmm. I still like the uh, the offense that's going on in between the Tampa and Florida series. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That Tampa Florida series has been phenomenal. Um, the the aggression in both teams, the scoring, the lack of goals ending. I mean, they both just look like they hate each other, and it's been such a fun series to watch. And the argument for me against the Boston-Washington series is that I think that the defense is just playing too well. Even though all games have gone to overtime, it's just been like strong defensive battles. It hasn't really been like these high-octane, big plays, big goals kind of games. Like, think about it. The Game 3 winner was the goalie coughed up the puck behind the net, and Craig Smith tucked it in. Uh, Ex-National Predator, Craig Smith, by the way. Um, He just tucked it in the side. So... (laughs) It wasn't like, you know, none of those goals have been really showstoppers. Taylor Hall had a nice goal, but I don't know. I think between those two, it's a no-brainer. The uh, Tampa-Florida series has been the best series in the first round, no question. I fully agree, and that's simply, like you said, lack of defense. I did not get to see all of Game 1, but what I did see was like nine consecutive odd man rushes going either way. And it was phenomenal. It was scrambly hockey. But it's so uh, passionate. They hate each other so much. They remind me of what the Battle of Alberta was like two years ago when Kachuk and Cassian had that whole thing. Uh, yeah, the Battle of Florida now. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's the Battle of Florida. And I always wondered, I wonder how Tampa fans feel that the Florida Panthers are the Florida Panthers and they're like encompassed in Florida. I always just kind of wondered that. Like it would be like if it was the... The Edmonton Oilers and the Alberta Flames, you know? It just it always seemed a little weird to me. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that thinks of stuff like that. Because I'm so quirky and different, you know? But, um, I don't know. That, that yeah. always just, that's been in the back of my head. I never really thought of that until now, but you bring up a good point. That is kind of weird. Yeah, same. It would be like the Philadelphia Flyers and the Pennsylvania Penguins. <laughs> like, just being completely in, like... I would love for um, Ottawa to just rename themselves to the Ontario Senators. <laughs> just see how madly fans would get about it. Oh, that would be the greatest thing in the world. That would, like, what a troll job that would be. I would, oh man, I'd pay money. I'd pay money for that to happen. 
Not a lot. Call. I don't have very much. I emptied my bank account after Tyler's surprise headline last week. But uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever's left, I would sink into that. I'm not good with financials. Don't don't ever trust me with investments. Yeah, like if the Nordiques came back, Quebec Nordiques. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same idea. And I guess yeah, that's kind of an old one that phased out. But yeah, yeah they were, I think they were like the Quebec City Nordiques, but they were owned by the Quebec Nordiques. So. Yeah, but again, at least it's the city. Like you, like people who know the team know that. It's just, yeah, there's no Florida city. Yeah, that we know of. We'll probably find one somewhere. It's probably in like northern <laughs> yeah, Saskatchewan. Where all, the, all the crackheads are. No, I think I have heard... Or no, there, there's some... There is some city in Saskatchewan, like in rural Saskatchewan, that was named like Hawaii or something. Like, it's really weird. But it used to be a joke, apparently. It might, it might have been in Manitoba. I don't know. I'm rambling on about random nonsense. Um... <laughs> Uh, speaking of entertaining playoff series, I think one that's gone a little bit underrated is uh, St. Louis, Colorado. That is, those have been fun hockey games to watch. They're not better than Tampa, Florida, but they're really good, high-octane hockey games from what I've seen. Uh, Tyler, you've probably paid closer attention to that one than we have. How's it, uh, how's it looking from a Blues perspective? First things first, I don't like to swear on this podcast, but I'm going to say fuck Nazem Kadri. I hope he gets run over by a bus. Yeah, um, that hit was brutal. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, it's been good hockey. I mean, Nathan McKinnon's kind of just showing why he's Nathan McKinnon. And it's showing tough to uh, to defend for sure. But I know in that first game, they had uh, a few COVID issues with negative tests and whatnot. And then same with the second game where a bunch of players were told that they're not allowed to play. So they didn't take pregame skate, and then they were allowed to play at the last minute kind of deal, and it's a whole mess of things. But I mean, I don't, I don't see them beating the Avalanche, but I do see them putting up a better fight moving forward. Uh, you you brought up the Kadri hit, and I did want to talk about that a bit because the NHL Department of Player Safety over the last month or so has come under some scrutiny. Maybe uh, in the form of most of the fans and an actual NHL franchise releasing a statement that they want uh, the head of Department of Player Safety Ops fired, George Peros, because Kadri is not only a repeat offender, he's a repeat offender in the first round of the playoffs. In fact, I would argue more people than not learned his name after that happened uh, the first or second time. What do you guys think? is a genuinely proper suspension for this. Taking into account this is the playoffs and generally the discipline is scaled back a little bit because these games are more meaningful. Do we have a bus? Because <laughs> I'll drive it. <laughs> Walk um, <them> up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the electric chair. <laughs> <laughs> we got any guillotines laying around? Send them to the miners. <laughs> yeah, send them to the gulag. Let's go. The, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping for, at minimum, like a five-game suspension. But it being the playoffs, it's probably going to be like two games or something like that. Under normal circumstances, I would agree with you. The only reason I don't is because when Kadri had his first suspension against the Bruins in round one... They gave him a relatively small suspension. The second time, they upped the ante and said he's out for the rest of the series. Basically taking away any chance of creating a line brawl or some Tom Wilson aftermath effect uh, in one of those games. But I wonder now, because again, this is the same player doing the same thing that he's known for doing. Do they up the ante and say not only are you gone for this series, you're gone for maybe a little bit of the next one too. I would hope so. No, I gotta say, on, Jake just made a, a shocking <laughs> yeah. face at me, and I, I gotta on, know what's going on. Yeah, on the topic of players getting injured in the first round, um, wow, uh, John Tavares, he has just been stretchered off the ice. What? Yeah, John Tavares just took a knee to the head. Um, oh. We're gonna take a brief pause to educate ourselves on this, and then we will come back with our commentary. We'll be right back. Okay, so yeah, we've had a chance to take a look at the uh, 
at the unfortunate incident that just happened and uh, just immediate reactions. Uh, what are you thinking, uh, Tyler? Wow. Um, I mean, completely accidental. It's just kind of one of those things that where he got hit and Corey Perry just so happened to be coming the other way. Wow. He just even him on his knees there just he looks so out of it and like like he has no clue where he is that's that's extremely scary yeah i mean the first thing i want to say is what was that medical staff thinking picking him up like that yeah like Like under his arms well if he has any kind of neck injury that the way they picked him up just oh god that could have caused so much more damage i don't know man that that whole situation there where he takes the knee to the head that does not look good. My God. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll jump in real quick because again, I, I'm the resident guy that hates the Leafs, but th- this goes way beyond hockey. He is a human being. He's a father, and uh, seeing the state he was in like that is uh, that's terrifying to see any person looking that out of it. I don't know if I've and again, it might have been even more it might have looked more dramatic just because of the way that the medical staff looked like they were trying to pick him up but oh my god i I don't know if i've ever seen someone look quite that out of it on the ice like i've seen guys pretty out of it but that was that that's terrifying it is a very unfortunate circumstance it it looked completely accidental uh but we you just gotta hope and pray uh that he's uh that he's gonna be all right yeah, yeah it's uh, the the one time I can say it looks like Corey Perry did not do something on purpose. Yeah, that's um, yeah you you could, that that happened so quickly, he oh, couldn't yeah. have tried to do that if he was aiming for it. Like it, no. he moved, it, it, it was such a weird sequence of events. That's uh, yeah, we gotta hope that he's all right and that he'll make a a recovery of one hundred percent recovery. Yeah. I mean, because my, that that looked like one of those instances that sometimes players don't always a hundred percent come back from. Yeah, that was. I mean, that and like knee injuries, right? Yeah, it hits to the head. Like, my God, yeah. I just I hope he's okay. John Tavares is a fantastic player and a key piece to that team. I mean, he's the captain for God's sake. Yeah. I, I wasn't even just talking about physical though. I mean, like when you get hit in the head like that, you hope that his personality comes back to 100% of what it was because that was a scary place to get hit. Yeah, That's one of those things that just that makes you think, right? Well, we're going to have to rebound from that pretty quick because we don't like these podcasts to get too depressing, although we are Vancouver-based. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, ho- hopefully uh, he- he's all right. Did, uh, did you guys see Ovi's reaction after that goal went in? Yeah. yeah who was he yelling at? I couldn't tell if he was yelling at Schultz or Samsonov, but he was livid. Yeah, you don't see him like that very often. Not no. too much, no. He, he's not exactly someone who hides his emotions, but he's also not known for dialing it up to 11 too often either. Yeah. And to usually players... I mean, I feel like that probably happens more than we realize, but it probably happens more in the locker room. I'd be willing to bet that players usually try to collect, compose themselves, go down the tunnel... And you'll even see sometimes the video of a player toppling the the stick rack over or or throwing a water bottle or breaking a stick or something. But to be that open about it on the ice, that's pretty rare. And uh, in my opinion, I actually don't love it coming from the captain of a team to be uh, pointing blame at an individual or two individuals that much. Uh, I get that he's a competitive guy, but that's taking it, I don't know, that's going a little far for me. Yeah, I guess he, he probably just got heated in the moment. Uh, I mean, that goal cost him the game. It was in double overtime. One of those things where he's just fired up because he's trying to win and took his anger out at the wrong place at the wrong time, I guess. Yeah, that, that's what it looked like to me, too. And the sad thing is, is like, that team is not out of that series because of that. No, you not know? at all. Like, the series is a 2-1. No. There's no need for that. And, you know, I, I'd be, I think, a lot more understanding if maybe he didn't win that cup a couple years ago because he he would have been the greatest player of all time to retire without a cup. But he has. You know, he has it. He's reached the top of the mountain. And I, I get everyone wants to get back there, but I don't know. I, th- I thought that was a bit extreme. And uh, I think uh, as a bit of a, um, a domino effect, you might even see because of him looking so much at two other individuals – 
I think you will now see fans looking at him more as an individual too and rating his individual performance for the rest of this series. Yeah, very true. So he better pick it up. So yeah, something that we talked about doing a couple episodes ago was uh, setting up this uh, draft simulator because now that we know all of the draft rank, uh, now that we know all of the uh, positions for the teams that didn't make the playoffs in the draft lottery, we can kind of take a look at what we how we think things might shake out and then uh, kind of predict where players will go based on which teams are going to draft where. That's right. So uh, we're going to use tankathon.com. It seems to be the general one for um, uh, for just predicting draft odds and uh, doing simulations. I, I know way too much about this because five out of the last six years I've been paying very close attention to it. Uh, so what we're going to do is we are going to run a simulation right now based on all the current odds and just see who comes out with the top picks. Oh, I'm a big fan of how this one worked out. <laughs> the first overall selection in the 2021 mock NHL draft goes to the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's an interesting one. They moved up four spots. Uh, they were, I believe, fifth most likely to get it, and they received it. The second overall selection goes to your Vancouver Canucks. Uh, who moved up seven spots to wow. receive that pick. So they finished eighth last. And I think if they had lost that game against Edmonton and lost the game against Calgary, they probably would have been, what, third or fourth? Yeah, even if we did win that game, but that game that went to overtime against Calgary just ended in regulation, we would have had the fifth most odds. Hmm. So, yeah, the Vancouver Canucks do not understand how tanking works. Uh, the third selection went to the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, fourth went to Anaheim, fifth went to Seattle. Uh, Seattle, by the way, has the third, is tied for having the third highest odds, for anyone wondering. So second overall, I'd probably take Luke Hughes. I'm, I'm we know who you would take, yeah. yeah. Luke Hughes Are you is sure? the guy. <laughs> Pretty sure. Yeah, looked at it. I don't even know any other players' names in this draft. Just Luke Hughes, Luke Hughes, Luke, Luke Hughes, Luke Lucas. Who do you think would be the first overall pick? Do we have it? If we yeah. have it, it's Luke No, if, if we do not have it. It's such a toss-up. I still think Owen Power could get it. Like he, he just seems to be the consensus. But this is the type of draft where some of the players are so even. It's not about the best player anymore. It's about what position do you need to help out the most on your team. Right, yeah, where where are you lacking the most? Whether it be in your current roster or in your prospect system, I think Matthew Benyus has to be in the conversation though. Yeah, I he's, can see he's it. been there all year. Um, this list I'm looking at has dropped him to seventh. Yeah, that's the thing is this this draft year is going to be so weird. We really have no idea who's going to go where. But uh, honestly, Marcus, if the Canucks are picking any lower than fourth, I really don't think you can, can you can get your hopes up, or you shouldn't get your hopes up that much. Well, it, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, one other thing. Did anyone hear Jack Hughes' comments about the draft? Just wondering if anyone heard that. Um, he was asked about the draft and just about his brother and where he's going to go. And they point blank asked him. They said, do you want New Jersey to take him? And you know, usually when they'll ask a player something like that, it can be about a sibling or about any player at all. They'll usually say, oh, yeah, you know, our management group's going to do whatever's best. He point blank answered, "Yeah, if, if he's available, I want I want us to take him. I want to play with my brother. That's something that you know we've always wanted to do as a family." Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking a little bit more about the stakes of Luke Hughes, because if a team has two Hughes brothers, and Jack implied that the third one would want to play with them, does that create a trade scenario? Right? Quinn Hughes is our franchise defenseman moving forward. Jack Hughes is going to be their franchise center moving forward. That would be a pretty big trade if either of them requested it. Right now, this could all be irrelevant if another team picks Luke Hughes. But if he ends up on either New Jersey or Vancouver, does the other brother ask for a trade? And I think the answer is eventually yes. I just 
don't see either team being able to make that trade and be able to get what they want in return. Yeah, because they're two teams that are in very similar situations right now in their rebuilds. I would put Vancouver a little bit further ahead, but I, I agree they're both still in that kind of between the bottom and rising up, just starting to rise up. Because what would what would it take? Like, what would Vancouver even take to give up Quinn Hughes to New Jersey? Like, what does New Jersey have to offer that we can be like PK okay, Subban? Yeah, one for one. Know. I don't. I mean, well, the biggest thing that would have to be addressed is we would definitely need another roster defenseman in return because our, our defense is not deep enough right now that we can be throwing prospects or guys who aren't already in the NHL on the blue line because they're, like they're not Will ready. Butcher. You get like Will Butcher. I yeah. I just, and and the reason I, and I'm not saying this isn't a tough trade to make, but I'm saying if either of those players demands a trade, you have to at the very least look at your options because. We all know that a player who wants out does not play to their potential. That's just a fact of life. That's a fact of the NHL. We all know this. Yeah. If the Canucks were to trade for Jack Hughes, I would think they take nothing less than Brock Besser and maybe a second in return. I think it would cost a little more than that. I, I do see the only option being that Vancouver would have to trade for Jack. I just don't see the Devils getting Quinn from us because I don't think they have enough to uh, to give us. But at least with the Canucks, we have Besser, we have Hoaglander, we have Podkosen, we have a bunch of pieces that I guess we could put together to throw their way. Yeah, but I think I it agree. would definitely take more than Brock Besser in a second. Wasn't there news this week on Podkosen? I just saw something like... Will he join the Canucks next year? And do you think he'll be able to crack the crack the roster? Um, well, to I answer yes, the answer the first part of your question, one hundred percent, he will be in Vancouver next year, or at least in the Vancouver area. He could possibly be in Abbotsford for a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, he will be with the team next year. As to will he crack the lineup, it's tough to say, because if he comes in. Who does he have to outperform, right? Because you're not putting him on the fourth line. He's not that physical of a guy. You you need him on the top three lines for sure. I mean, he kind of can play physical. That's not what you want him for, but he's a big enough guy that he could play on your fourth line. He could. Well, no. I guess he would be capable of it, but for his development, I don't see it being as beneficial. I would rather see him on the first line in Abbotsford than on the fourth line in Vancouver. Um, no, he would He would definitely have to crack that, that top three, and I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be able to play on the third line. I also don't see a reason why he wouldn't be able to take a spot like Tanner Pearson's spot on that if he can develop some chemistry with maybe Horvat or something. I could see them working well together just with Horvat's play style and, and Podkosen's play style. I mean, I think a lot of Canucks fans have been dreaming for a while since, since we saw how good Hoaglander was when he came in and how good he fit in with Horvat. And we all knew that Pod Colson probably wouldn't be here until next season. And I think something that some Canucks fans have been thinking about for a long time is a line of Hoaglander, Horvat, and Pod Colson. It'd be a bit interesting, too, because that means you have a Swede, a Canadian, and a Russian on the same line, which is, I think, a little bit rare. Usually you have at least two guys of the same nationality or, like, an American and a Canadian. It's a little funny to have, like, kind of guys from, like, three opposite areas of the world on a line together. Yeah, yeah but that first line's been working, so actually, I was just have they say, been? I was just going to say another option could be swapping Besser and Hoaglander. Cause, yeah. Because you know there's already chemistry with Horvat and Besser. And I think Pod right. could definitely fit in nicely as another kind of grit guy to get Besser some more shots, but Pod Cozen can also shoot the puck. And speaking of chemistry, Hoaglander and Pedersen didn't get to play together much this season. Again, Pedersen was injured for part of it, and the only time Hoaglander was on the top line was to fill Pedersen's spot. But they have both played together before, I believe, on at least one team. They might be on the world championship team again this year. 
uh, Pedersen, it depends on his injury. And Hoaglander had not yet confirmed if he was going to go or not. Hmm. But if they did have that time to play on the same team, potentially on the same line and build some chemistry, that could be a fun line to watch too, would be Pedersen, Hoaglander, and Miller. Yeah. I could see a lot of chemistry coming, at least from Hoaglander and Pedersen. I think Miller and Hoaglander played a little bit towards the end of the season together, and I think they looked pretty good from what I recall. Yeah, they well, yeah, they moved Hoaglander up to the first line because uh, Pedersen was injured. Yeah. Uh, so, th- yeah, they, they were on the same line with Besser. And, yeah, they, they looked okay. I mean, it's hard to have a first line built of two second liners, but it's uh, they, they did look okay. And I think he would look really good with Pedersen. They're both pretty um, dynamic players. They're very agile and uh, I think they play the game in a very similar sense. I mean, they both grew up with the Swedish school of hockey. So mm-hmm. I, could, I could definitely see chemistry building there, and I'd love to see it. It's our new Sedins. Just not related. Still mad we didn't take those Wahlberg twins in that last draft. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Um, now, without getting too far into players we didn't draft in drafts from three years ago, I think we should probably send it to break. Today's episode of the Vancouver Boys podcast is brought to you by the Aquilini family. The Aquilinis, fueling dumpster fires such as the Vancouver Canucks and this podcast since 2004. We'll be right back. And welcome back, everybody, to the Vancouver Boys podcast, the second half. You've made it to the back nine. Um, we're going to jump right into the inbox. This is the segment where we answer questions from you, the listeners, the fans. And, uh, we like to ask you questions about either hot takes, questions you have for us, or just something that you think the media doesn't give enough attention to. And that's again, what we're here for. We're a small podcast. We're here for the listeners. Everything we do is just for you guys. So, uh, anything you want to know from us always feel free to like i said dm us at the vancouver boys podcast on instagram or you can send us an email at vancouverboyshockey at gmail.com uh this question comes in from alex smith from coquitlam uh alex asks which city deserves an nhl team and which team should be the next to get relocated um I think the answer is pretty obvious here. I personally think Nashville should relocate to a northern Mexican city. I think they've been waiting for a team for a while, and uh, I think it would just be huge for hockey to get to a market that we haven't tried yet. Yeah. If only the Tijuana Predators didn't already exist, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. That would be the Shoot. greatest thing in the Darn world. Darn it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then you end up with 33 teams. You got 17 in the West. 60, it'd just be a nightmare. Yeah. Better know just keep them in Nashville. No, that, yeah. That's so why I, we're I relocating. Guess, <laughs> so I guess we should probably come up with a different answer then. I think you probably should. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, For me, I actually have thought about this in the past. And I think uh, it's, it's a topic that gets brought up fairly infrequently in the media. But it gets brought up enough that I think it probably will be the next destination for either relocation or expansion, and that's Houston. There's a lot of conversation around Houston. You know, Houston's such a big city. It's got a team from every major sport except for hockey. Um, they've had a hockey team in the past. That guy's well, I will tell you this. The Houston Arrows, which was a WHA team, for those who don't know, the World Hockey Association. This is the league that Gordie Howe and his sons played in when they couldn't play in the NHL. He played with his sons for the Houston Arrows. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, the Houston Arrows. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, the Houston Arrows used to be a hockey team there. And um, yeah, I think they could go back and and play there, and I think it would be pretty successful. And in terms of relocation, I would think that, you know, obviously a lot of people talk about Florida because their attendance has been shitty for years now. And of course, now that they're pretty good um their attendance might go up but that doesn't change the fact that they've been struggling for years so i would say you know florida would probably be my top pick for relocation next would probably be phoenix or arizona and then carolina but i think a team in houston would do really well a lot better than they're doing in the cities they're in now 
And then I guess also, I know I'm kind of going on about this, but Quebec City, you know, they lost their team for one reason or another. I think it'd be cool if they got a team back. Yeah, no, I agree 100% with Quebec City getting a team, and I could definitely see Houston supporting a team because the population and whatnot's there. Um, I think an option could be somewhere like Portland. I could see... I could see them throwing a team down there, and if I was to relocate a team, I'm looking at maybe Carolina. If not, then, like you said, Florida. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that Uh, brings up an issue, though, right? Like, if you pull that team out of Carolina or Florida and put them on the West Coast, then who are you moving over to the East? I'm trying to think of who's close enough over there. It's got to be someone from the Central. See you later in Nashville. Put Winnipeg over there? Let's get rid of Nashville. Yeah, I mean, you could. I think any team that you move over to the East is going to benefit, right? Because then they have less time zone changes in their in mm-hmm. their games. Very true. So That is true. Um, I think for me, like, it's a bit obvious I, I'm going with Arizona. Uh, and that, that's for a few reasons. One, just the organization from the top down needs an overhaul. Uh, they've had a lot of problems for a long time. They're forfeiting their first-round pick this year because of problems with their scouting from last year. They got in some legal trouble there. Uh, They've been known to have employees have paychecks bounce. Even the lease that they have on their arena, they've uh, sent in payments that haven't gone through. Um, It just, it needs a complete overhaul. Um, While I agree Houston is most likely... Quebec, I want to see more, but they won't do it because they know that that will cut into an already existing fan base, which is the Montreal Canadiens. Anyone who was a Quebec Nordiques fan has pretty well now become a Montreal Canadiens fan, uh, just by association. It's, it's the closest team to them. I'd love to see it, but the NHL won't do it because they don't want to cut into a market of people that they already have. They want to get new fans. Which is too bad, because the people of Quebec deserve a team. Another team. Uh, well, the people of Quebec City deserve a team. What if they got like a like a Halifax team, or a Moncton team? Something that wasn't as related to Quebec, but was still related to the Maritimes, and that kind of East Coast Canadian um, Give them a hockey women's fan. hockey team. No comment. Yeah, because you know, that's a good idea for making money. <laughs> Women's the women's hockey league is just bleeding money. And you know what? I'm actually gonna gonna go on a tangent about that because I have a lot of opinions about women's hockey that I think would be really good if they uh, implied these and they could actually succeed. The biggest problem with women's hockey current in its current state is the fact that the game is fundamentally the same as the men's hockey team and the men's men's game. And the problem there is that they're competing products. You know, like you're a product at the end of the day. You're producing. A hockey game for people to consume, people to watch, people to pay for, to pay attention to. And if they took the women's game and they changed the rules a little bit, let's say they made it three on three, they made it a smaller ice surface, uh, even if they inc- increased the amount of players in the game, maybe it was like seven on seven. I don't know, that's a bit crazy, but like, <laughs> I just think that if they changed the, the rules a little bit, it would be, it would, yeah, if they made it full contact, they brought out, you know, Run linebackers or something. I don't know, but I just thought that like, if they changed the rules of the game, it would be more enticing for people to watch because it would be something different, but it was still closely related enough for people to get that association with hockey. But I don't know. I don't know if that would ever work. It's just something, because like, what they're doing now isn't working. So they got to think of something. I agree. And I, I think that one thing that the NHL should really look at is what, not just the NFL, but what football has done in the U.S. Where most NFL games are played on Sundays. You've got the college teams that play on, is it Fridays or Saturdays? Yeah. And you've got uh, the XFL that plays pretty well in the off season. They've staggered everything so that when you're watching it, you're not missing something else. And that's a big problem for the women's league is that they're competing for viewers directly with the NHL. And that's a fight that they're not going to win. Nothing against female athletes, but the NHL is the best league in the world. And if no one's going to shut off an NHL game to watch a WHL game, meaning Western Hockey League, not Women's Hockey League, which is also confusing... uh, they're not going to shut off an NHL game to watch a women's game. It's just not going to happen. It, again, if it was like the NFL, where either the women's league played 
in the off season or on specifically days where there aren't at least as many hockey games going on, they would stand a better chance. Right. And I could see that being kind of an event similar to what the Abbotsford uh, hockey team is going to be the AHL team. It would be a lower budget family entertainment oriented thing, but you can't also try to compete that with the NHL. It's not going to work. It's never going to. Yeah, no, and I've I've actually watched a few of the women's hockey league games for. There's the really yeah. There's the Calgary, uh, the Calgary Inferno. I think they are, and they're pretty stacked. Yep. They're uh, it, it's pretty good hockey, but like you said, it's not going to be watched if the Calgary Flames are playing or if the Edmonton Oilers are playing. So it's it definitely sucks, and I'm definitely hoping that they can do something to allow more viewers for those so they can get paid what they deserve and and they can continue playing the sport that they love to play yeah i mean i'll give that to them while they're not the the product the on ice product is not as high quality as the nhl i would never take anything of the work ethic away from those women that play because that's extremely hard and on top of that most of them have daytime jobs too Right, that's a really hard thing to be able to balance, and uh, all the credit in the world to them for doing that. And I've thought for a while that at least in the bigger Canadian markets, that the NHL team should have a women's team affiliate, uh, someone who can play out. You know, the men's team could help fund them a little bit in terms of arena space. Uh, most of the owners of the Canadian hockey franchises also own the stadiums that they play in. They're not leasing it. So essentially, if you have a team, they're playing rent-free, much like the Vancouver Warriors lacrosse team that we have here. Um, I think it would provide a similar thing. You might not sell, you're not going to sell out the stadium, but if you throw some tarps over the upper bowl, you can pack the lower bowl. It would become a more enticing and more engaging environment, and that's how you could grow the game. Bringing it back to Arizona about you saying that they need to relocate mm -hmm. because of the dumpster fire that they're in the only reason why i would not want them to relocate is because my family just bought a house there <laughs> i like going down there to watch the hockey games well that was that was part of the plan <laughs> when florida and arizona were introduced to the league the whole idea was that you would have snowbirds from canada these old for those of you who don't know the term snowbird is like an old retired canadian that has a place down south that they go for the winter, right in the middle of hockey season. The idea was they were putting teams in those towns where there's a concentrated amount of Canadians that would pay money to watch hockey down there. And the hope was that they would, through that, become Phoenix or Florida fans. What ended up happening is they were selling out Canucks, Habs, and Leafs fans about a four-hour flight away from home, and every other game was sitting empty. Um, anyway, uh, Alex, I hope that answers your question on who should relocate, and I hope we answered a bunch of questions you didn't even know you had about women's hockey. <laughs> <laughs> now, how about a more serious and more direct question? Emma from Coquitlam asks, who are the hottest players of all time? And I don't think she means hot like McDavid hot. I think she means hot like Brock Besser hot. Uh, oh, God. So... <laughs> Um, Emma, I think what we're going to do is we're going to put a little twist on your question and we are instead going to rate the hottest player wives and girlfriends uh, because we're not owned by a national network and we can do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tyler, why don't you start us off? All right. Well, first things first, I will answer a part of your original question and because my secretary has asked me to say this, but she was rating NHL players from one to ten, and she had Tyler Sagan, Tyler Sagan, as number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Oh boy! So, Allie, there's your uh, there's your input. Um, but for as far as wives go, the only good thing about the Nashville Predators is Roman Yossi's <laughs> wife. There's a reason he's the captain. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that's as far as I'm going to take that. Um, well, maybe not. 
if uh, if I was half as good looking as him and half as successful, I'm just gonna throw it out there that uh, you'd be a single man, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> moving on from that, a couple others that uh, that have some good looking wives are David Booth, his wife Ashley Booth is an absolute smoke show, and Brandy Ladd, another absolute smoke show. Jake, care to weigh in on this one? She's mine, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that that woman is, yeah, she's an angel, and uh, couldn't couldn't be a better guy to, to snag that one up. Um, love Roman Yossi as a player. Got a great wife. <laughs> What else there is to say? Leader on the ice, off the ice, yeah. and in the bedroom. Yeah, he gets he, he he gets my respect and the respect of every other man that plays hockey. What a smoke show! She's the leader of she's the leader of NHL wives, and uh, it'll be a sad day when he retires and she's no longer a hockey wife. Be the Team Canada beauty pageant captain. Yeah. It's so funny. Make a team of all hockey wives. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, screw the NHL. This is what we're going with. Yeah, now that's a WHL I would yeah, pay that's a, that's good money to watch. <laughs> bombshells on ice. Yeah. Uh, speaking of bombshells, uh, I've rated my top three. Uh, coming in in third place is Jonathan Taze's wife. I cannot pronounce this name. It is Gabrielle Velasquez. Coming in in second place, we have Henrik Zetterberg's wife, Emma Anderson. Excellent job, Henrik. Very proud of okay. you. That's uh, that is phenomenal. A plus. Yeah, excellent work. And coming in at number one, I have Tyler Sagan's wife, Sierra Price. Wow, I am blown away. It makes so much sense, uh, Tyler. I don't know what uh, your secretary looks like, but she's up against some pretty good competition here. <laughs> In the in the Tyler Sagan sweepstakes because damn <laughs> that exactly is an attractive specimen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, honorable mention goes out to Carrie Underwood. <laughs> yeah, well, she's not technically a hockey wife anymore, but no. she is the forever champion of this competition. Yeah. She will never. She is uh, the captain of the alumni yeah. team. Her numbers retired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's the GM. Yeah. <laughs> Just consultations with all the players' wives. <laughs> You've been traded. Well, they're, actually, <laughs> they're actually used to be a show. There used Corey. to be a show on TV, and it was called Hockey Wives. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually saw a couple episodes. Corey of that. Schneider's wife gets traded to Ryan Kessler. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> oh, you know what? There's something a little bit juicy. I can confirm that rumor. Really? Yeah. Um, so, so what's back, the rumor? For okay. People who don't know. For people who don't know, there was a bit of a rumor uh, around some turbulent times in Vancouver Canucks history. And to narrow that down, because that's most of the times, I'm talking about eight years ago or so. There was a rumor that Ryan Kessler had been doing some extracurricular activities with Corey Schneider's wife. Uh, or girlfriend, I'm not sure what the status was there. Um, now, before this rumor came out, now this is a bit of a uh, a bit of a loose connection, but my ex stepsister's boyfriend's dad. Okay. Yeah, uh, he lived downtown in Olympic Village. This happened to also be the same building that Corey Schneider lived in. He said. Or, sorry, I never talked to my ex-stepsister's ex-boyfriend's dad. But <laughs> when my ex-stepsister was still my stepsister and she was still dating this guy, he told me about this and said, hey, a uh, bit of a weird rumor because he knew that I was a big hockey fan. He was like, my dad mentioned that he's seen Ryan Kessler hanging around the building a few times, but usually he's not with Corey Schneider. Or I think he mentioned that he'd never seen him with Corey Schneider. Uh, he said he never saw him with uh, Corey Schneider's wife either, but uh, that's that's a pretty big coincidence, and the only reason I give that any merit 
is because he told me that about three months before those rumors started circulating and before Schneider got traded. So, snap. I would give that a little bit of credit. Yeah, that one that one threw me off. Unless my ex stepsister's ex boyfriend's dad started the whole rumor from the bottom, <laughs> I got a pretty reliable source on this one. So, yeah, Ryan Kessler, you could have had probably anyone in the city of Vancouver, and you went for a teammate's wife. That's pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean. I get it if it's Sagan's wife, who's just I, fine. I get it. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if Schneider's wife was that high on the charts. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, Corey, if you're listening. Sorry. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Suck less, do better. Shouldn't have been swinging at balls in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> now, on to one final question from our good friend... The Devil's Burner account, who is for the third episode in a row, asked us a question. Satan, we really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> number one fan. Number one fan. Well, I think he's our number one fan. Yeah. Uh, not only did he ask a question, he even sent me a post about the rumor that he's discussing. And uh, this rumor has been confirmed, by the way. The question is, do you think it will be good to have the Sedins come in in some role to the organization? Now, I think just about everyone knows about the rumors that the Aquilinis have made some phone calls back and forth with the Sedins, presumably about joining the organization. And probably working for free. <clears throat> yeah, well, well, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, the rumors are that it ha- it's not a question of are they going to come in and be the GM or the president. Uh, it sounds like they're, they've been asked to do similar to what Steve Eiserman did. Where they would start at the bottom, you know, kind of with the scouts, move their way up, learn how a hockey organization works, and then after a few years, maybe get to the president or GM role. What do you guys think about that? Having the Sedins on in in the management, or at least in the organization. Do you think it means much? Um, have you guys ever seen that, like, gif or meme of Kanye talking about Lady Gaga? <laughs> About <laughs> the camera, well, the, yeah. Like I listen yeah. to some of Gaga music. It's pretty good. But what the fuck does she know about Polaroids? <laughs> like it makes sense. Like they're faces of the franchise. It's cool to have them involved. But honestly, like what do these guys know about making moves in the business world with regard to hockey? Um, I think it'd be it's good to have their faces attached to the franchise. Still, they're beloved in the city, and maybe they, being who they are, will entice people to come to the city. Um, especially Swedes. I could see a lot of sweet Swedish free agents wanting to come here. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like I definitely see it as a good thing to have their face as part of the franchise mm-hmm. in what role. I'm not a hundred percent certain. I don't know if I see them in an Iserman type role, but that being said to definitely have them as part of the organization, I think needs to happen. Like Jake said, it'll definitely attract more players of Swedish descent, and we love overpaying Swedes, so why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, I get it if they, I get it if they want to start from the bottom. You know, it makes sense again to start working with the scouts, start learning the job, right? I, I get that. Uh, that is essentially what Eiserman did. Even when we brought in Trevor Linden, it wasn't that he just retired, sat around for eight years, then came in. He started his own business, a few of them actually. Uh, He was actually, a lot of people don't know this, that he was the uh, president of the NHLPA for a little while, uh, which is a pretty high position. Um, The Sedins have no such experience, uh, but the big thing that they would bring, especially in an advisory position, would just be an insight as to how a locker room works. Because I feel like that's something that Jim Benning and, and uh, Francesco Aquilini do not understand at all, is the dynamics within a locker room. What bothers me about it is that this is a plan that Francesco Aquilini has, and it's working perfectly. He hired Jim Benning and Trevor Linden in 2014. Now, Jim Benning, it was always known that he was going to be 
the big decision guy. He was going to be the guy handling the trades, uh, making deals, doing stuff like that. Trevor Linden was more or less a big picture guy. He was there to kind of guide the team just in the direction that a player would want it to be guided in. He was a great leader for the team for a lot of years. He was the captain of, I believe, Montreal for a short period of time. Uh, and same with uh, uh, New York. The New York Islanders, that is. Here's my thing. Is the Sedins, to me, are nothing but a distraction for Francesco Aquilini. Uh, when he hired Trevor Linden, that was the point. Was The fans loved him. We couldn't hate him. Even if he made a bad decision every now and then, we couldn't dislike him because the, the fans just loved him too much. But eventually, when Linden said to Aquilini, hey, here's the direction this team needs to go, Aquilini disagreed and basically said, we're doing things my way or you can leave. And I think the Sedins are just the next version of that. They are just the next pretty face that Aquilini can put out so that the fans won't harp on them as much. And eventually, once Aquilini's juiced every drop of good publicity he can get out of them, he'll let them go the first chance that they, uh, that they disagree with him. I'm, uh, forgive me, I'm quite cynical about this ownership group, but uh, I will again tease the two-hour special episode that we will one day do where I lose my shit. Uh, because I cannot stand the way that the owners of this team run it. And I think the best thing that they could possibly do for this team is put it up for sale. Which is something that they might end up having to do. They might, because on Saturday, between 3 and 4 p.m., me and what I like to think will be hundreds of thousands <laughs> of fellow Canucks fans will storm the arena, hopefully not try to burn it down this time, and try to convince the owners to sell the team. Or to leave it alone. Or to at least change up the way that they do things. Uh, the protest is an Aquilini out protest. Because of the awful way that they have handled the business runnings of this team. However, another very convenient thing for them is Travis Green and Ian Clark. Two great coaches everyone wants to have back. They were not offering them contracts. Both of them allegedly were offered contracts today. I think the timing is very convenient, seeing as there's a protest asking them to get out of the city coming up in two days from now. Uh, just uh, contacting the Sedins, offering these contracts to uh, people that we want to have back, really seems like uh, more or less distractions and uh, relatively small peace offerings to me. Hey, if we get enough sponsors... I mean, I'm all for buying the team. <laughs> yeah, we just so, need I mean, something like $1.2 billion worth of sponsorships. <laughs> you know who might have that kind of money, though? Huawei. <laughs> Too bad we kind of fucked that up. <laughs> yeah. All cash. Just don't ask any questions. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll drop the PayPal on the Instagram. <laughs> That's yeah. what we need to Get set a notification. up. Whoa, we would like to Venmo you. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be taking that money. Nope. <laughs> Have the cops knocking on your door pretty quick. Oh, yeah. It's a Weird. gift, I promise. Yeah, you know what? Elon Musk, if you're out there, you seem mental enough to do this. Would you kindly buy the Vancouver Canucks? I, like, I'd be... What? You'd probably run it into the ground, but at least I'd have fun watching that. I mean, my birthday's coming up soon, Elon. <laughs> By Tyler, the Vancouver Canucks franchise. <laughs> well, I heard uh, Bill Gates getting a divorce. Maybe we can ask his wife. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did I mention I rated Bill Gates as number one above all the hockey wives? His wife is just the hottest by far. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're divorced. They're divorced. <laughs> right. Sorry. Former Miss Gates, if you're out there, uh, we could use some help. Yeah, Bill, you're an absolute rocket. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Re regardless of if you give us any money, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Either one of the Gateses. <laughs> yeah. For no reason. No. Uh, well, I could think of some good questions. Most of them involving how I how they could give me money. But, uh, almost feel bad for them, but then I remember they're loaded, and then I really don't feel bad for them anymore. No. <laughs> um. That does it for the inbox this time. Thank you guys for your excellent questions. Once again, if you're looking to contact us, ask us a question, or have any other general reasons that you might want to talk to us, 
You can always reach us uh, by DMing our Instagram account at Vancouver Boys Podcast, or you can reach us by email at VancouverBoysHockey at gmail.com. We have one more segment. Oh no. Your favorite segment. Oh no. It'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry, and if you were with us last week, it might have made you drain your bank account and jizz. <laughs> it's Tyler's surprise headline. Oh no. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Way to bring that one in. Um, okay, well, this week is a lot different than last week. I would I hope so. That's somewhat relieving. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we do not have an update on last week, but... Uh, oh, nuts. These, these two men that I'm going to bring up might be the kind of people investing in that stuff, so... Um, Were you on the dark two... web again, Tyler? <laughs> you got to get Maybe. off of that shit, man. <laughs> no, uh, two grown men in Arkansas were arrested for shooting each other while drinking, wearing bulletproof vests. <laughs> so I'm going to read something out here. And, uh, but yeah, bef- we'll before go you there. do, I just got to say, Arkansas is just Florida light. <laughs> it's the same shit. No, I think it's Florida dark. Exactly. <laughs> That's good. That's good. The two men, one 50 and the other 35, we really can't stress enough that these were grown adults, were arrested in Arkansas for taking turns shooting each other in a bulletproof vest. Taking turns? This went back uh, and were... forth? This wasn't one shot and it was over? <laughs> nope. They were detained the day after the incident, which left a neighbor alarmed. Uh, yeah. The night of the showdown, one of the men went to the hospital with a red mark on his chest from a bullet. And when questioned by the police, he decided he was going to lie about how he got his red mark. I can understand according that. To his cover, according to his cover story, he had been paid $200 to protect another man. And when they'd gone to a meet, a third man... And a gunfight ensued. In this high-stakes shootout, <laughs> shots were traded, <laughs> and he Get fled it. in a <laughs> and he fled in a car. Jesus Christ! Uh, the truth, according to a version he shared after being confronted, was that the two men were actually drinking and playing with a twenty-two <laughs> and a bulletproof vest. <laughs> The older man asked the younger man to shoot him. After a first shot left a mark, the man was pissed off and in retaliation unloaded the clip into the younger man who was wearing the other vest and shot him five times in the back. Oh my god. What is going on down in Arkansas? You know where we need to relocate an NHL tomb? Tomb. Tomb. <laughs> you know what we need a tomb? No, the Arkansas, Arkansas psychopaths. Oh my! <laughs> the the Arkansas twenty twos. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh my god! I wonder what that like phone call would have been from the neighbor. You know, calls the police. Uh, yeah, there's two grown men trading shots in their backyard, drinking Miller Light. <laughs> I love how he had a cover story. About how he got in a high stakes shootout. Yeah. With His cover story is Jason Bourne. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who paid him $200 to keep his name out of it. Oh, That's God. Hilarious. That, like, I like that his cover story was just that he was involved in a crime ring. Yeah. <laughs> like, that'll get them to leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the drug deal. <laughs> like, it's more innocent yeah. than they were drinking. Yeah. That makes more yeah. sense. <laughs> but it's funny how he's like, he tells the kid to shoot me, and then when it leaves a mark, he unloads a clip into the kid's <laughs> back. Yeah, he unloaded the full clip. That's so funny. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god. That that was an excellent surprise headline, Tyler. Yeah. That's, you, you never <laughs> fail to disappoint me. But yeah. <laughs> Anytime you need a surprise headline, just search Florida man. Yeah. Or man in the South. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, if Arkansas, Arkansas man doesn't come up <laughs> yeah. with anything. Well done. Oh, man. Well yeah, done. No, I, I genuinely, and I'm being dead serious, I look forward to these all week. Yeah. <laughs> I go to work, I'm like, what's he going to bring up this time? Yeah. I love it. It's great. 
Yeah. <laughs> he unloaded the full clip on him. Hey, why'd you shoot me? You told me to. <laughs> I don't care. Bop, 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 yeah. bop, bop, bop. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Phenomenal stuff, Tyler. Great job, just, man. Uh, That's good. <laughs> nev- never fails to just... Sorry, never fails to impress. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> yes, it is. Hey, you shot me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. That's great. My cheeks hurt from yeah, laughing know, at that one. Too, that's man. great. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, I don't know if there's any possible better way to end the show than with yep. that. As it always is. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. I will only read this off one more time. Uh, if you want to contact us, whether you want to be featured on the podcast, you want to ask us a question, or you're interested in any type of sponsorships or promotions, you can always reach us on Instagram at Vancouver Boys Podcast or by email at VancouverBoysHockey at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody, so much for watching or listening. Only listening because we only upload audio. Uh, we will see you on the next one. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Peace.